0: Welcome back, Beyonders. I am your host, Justin. I am the only one solo today because we're recording in a funny time today. But we did it so that we could have our special guest come on the show today, Mr. Nils Hintze. Nils, welcome to the show. He is the author of the Vastin RPG, Horror RPG. And we are excited to have him here to talk about this uh, RPG that has been taking tabletop RPG. Uh, community by a storm. So nails, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Now, Nails, you are located currently in Switzerland or Switzerland, sorry. I lived in <laughs> Switzerland for a little bit. In Sweden. <laughs> and yeah. um you were in Sweden and uh we uh had to do some finagling to make sure that we got the schedules right. But um we're very happy that you're here with us and to uh talk about Vest in a little bit. Do um why don't you share a little bit about yourself. Um, you know where where you are what you're doing yeah.
1: yeah uh well i'm in the in the southern sweden in uh, in a town called malma and uh, there are big preparations for halloween in my household at the moment <laughs> everything is decorated and we're kind of trying out costumes for tomorrow and so forth my kids are like crazy into halloween um <laughs> more than me actually uh other than that I'm I'm a psychologist uh working for the Red Cross in my kind of oh, daytime cool. work uh, and I'm a freelance writer so I've written mostly for for the Free League but I've written some other stuff as well. Uh I would say I play a lot of RPGs. Uh I'm not that into like board games and and uh, uh-huh. figure games and so forth it's just like RPGs.
0: Oh cool. <laughs> <whole>, yeah
1: yeah <laughs> my whole geek nerd in interest is focused on that so i, I play a lot
0: yeah. that's awesome is uh is has halloween always been kind of a big deal there in sweden i know that when no, i was living no, in no. france and switzerland it was not at all no. it, it was only until like maybe recently within like the last 20 years that it started be getting bigger
1: yeah now we have this this like swedish uh, day or ritual which was the only one that existed when i was a kid and it's really like It's so quiet and you go to the graves and you kind of stand there and quiet (laughs) something and it's just dark and so it's been like a big transformation and then like everyone was kind of against this Halloween, this American stuff, but now like the whole, the whole country has just adopted Halloween, so now it's just crazy big everywhere. It's just and a big but deal. People don't seem to kind of get that it's a specific day. They they tend to celebrate Halloween all week. So we have, like, kids every night here now, wanting <laughs> <laughs> candy. So it's just, come that's on. Funny. I mean, it's,
0: it's just one day. That's, that's funny. I mean, like, there are people here in the United States that would celebrate Halloween every day if they could. And, I mean, we've got, like, Halloween parties and festivals and things like that that happen throughout the month of October. But... Yeah, you only get to go door to door one day of the week. You you know you don't you don't get to do that the whole week. They
1: take your the chances of getting some chocolate. I
0: mean, <laughs> wouldn't. that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we are super excited to talk to you about uh, your RPG that you wrote um, uh, with Free League Press. And uh, but before we get into that, let's talk about your Geek Week. How was your Geek Week this last this last week? <laughs>
1: Well, I'm in, a, in an RPG campaign with uh, the really old uh, Marvel superheroes. Uh, oh, RPG. okay. Yeah, we have a group where we kind of try out really old games. Uh, so we play a version of it placed like in Stockholm in the 90s with kind of dark noir setting, and we're trying to be superheroes. So it's that's really exciting. We we reached a kind of a point yesterday where we kind of met the the boss the evil yeah. mastermind and we were kind of like what we're we going to do with him <laughs> we can't we can't really kill him because it's this game and we can't really <laughs> imprison him so it was yeah it was a big a big thing trying to kind of figure out what the
0: characters would do well, That's cool that's very cool is it an older rpg system that you're running or is it just um, just yeah, yeah. Depth, like an older time
1: Yeah it's like i think it came out and it was published in 84 or something. It's really old.
0: Oh interesting. Uh, I think um I think I played that at Gen Con one time. Yeah. Um like a, a box t- with a, a champions? map champions, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Huh. you can yeah. That's it's cool. like really thin rule books. So we tr- we tried out all like the old Murph and the yeah first version of RuneQuest Quest and so forth. So we're just kind of digging through all these old games yeah. to kind of find gems. and that's fine. How,
0: how do you think those old RPGs stack up to some of the newer ones today?
1: I think they're better than I expected. Uh, often there are like parts of them that are really like, ooh, this mechanic has been forgotten or something. That's really, yeah. cool. That's yeah. really great. And then there are some parts that are just like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you decide how to, I don't know, Manipulate someone or charm someone, or there are no rules for I don't know this and that. And so, so um, yeah, we tried the, the old Twilight 2000 as well, and I think okay. that was a, the first version was a really great game. But some parts of it are just bananas. They were like <laughs> they didn't really kind of care that it should be simple. So we're like mathematical like kind of things you you need to go through to just sort out your your stats. So we're yeah, racing. Uh, but that was interesting.
0: Yeah, very cool, very cool. Well, uh, my friends and I, we are getting ready to have a little local gaming convention. Um, it's in the basement of one of our co-hosts' house, Jason. And um, he's got a very large basement. So we can fit like 30 people in the basement to play games. Ooh, cool. So yeah. um, so it's just a fun little local thing that we do with our friends. and. Um, you know, we've got uh, a bunch of RPGs we're playing. We've got a bunch of board games we're playing. We've got, you know, food planned out. We've, you know, it, hmm. it's going to be happening over about three days. So, yeah. you know, what, what
1: games uh, are you planning for, or is it just pick up whatever when you get? No, there? no.
0: We've got. Um, let me uh, let me look real quick because I'm going to forget them. But I know for some of the RPGs, like some people are running some D and D games. Um, I think. We've got, as far as RPG goes, we've got some, a couple instances of D&D, Star Wars, um, mm. RPG, Star Trek. Um, we have the Dune RPG that's going to be run. Mm. Um, I'm going to be running a Call of Cthulhu scenario, and I'm going to be running the Pendragon starter set game. So I'm excited about the Pendragon because I, I literally just cracked it open to start taking yeah. a look at it. And it, I mean, who doesn't love like King Arthur stories, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be cool. Um, my, our friend Jason, he's going to be running hell night, which okay. is, um, a recent Kickstarter RPG that came out. It's a very rules light Zine style RPG, but it's, um, you're literally, um, bikers trying to put like the demons from hell that came out one night back to hell. So you're like a biker gang, like like. That's a great, right? great concept. Yeah, it's like an eighty, it's like a total eighties like thrasher like hmm. metal concept. You know what I mean? And so yeah. um, it's gonna be wild. So we we've got that. We've got a bunch of um, you know board games like uh, Moonraker, Mosaic. Uh, we got some board games to play. Hmm. It's just a kind of a run the whole gamut. Whoever wants to play stuff, it also has space for people to just say like, hey, we've got a stack of games in the corner find a friend, grab one, play it, you know, so,
1: yeah.
0: um, but uh, you, we have to kind of plan out the RPG so that you can prep for them though, you know, so we yeah had, a, you know, we had some signups so that we knew like how many to expect and for each game and stuff like that. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think that we're uh going to, we're going to have a blast. So my, my geek week was done a lot of preparation to just kind of make sure, because again, I'm running two RPGs. Can you imagine? Yeah, a bunch of stuff, so, yeah. It'll be fun, though. It'll be a lot of fun. We,
1: we did some something similar for a couple of years, but, but then we only used, like, RPGs that are just, like, pick up and play, no uh-huh. preparation. So we could have, like, people coming and going and stuff. But it was still a lot of preparation, <laughs> still a lot of work.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of why, like, I have a whole slew of starter sets on my, um, on my shelf right now, you know, and part of that is because, like, I can easily take, a starter set, go through it a little bit and be like, okay, I I can run this game and it's all there for you. Like if I were to try to homebrew like three RPGs in one weekend, that would just be too many, you know? So, but this gives good flavor. You know, like I said, the Pendragon starter set will give like a really good flavor of that game. And I think that we'll all have a
1: good time playing
0: Knights of the Round Table there. So, you know, it'll it'll be a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, great. Well, you know, I, I hope that you have a great Halloween. I hope that your Marvel campaign that you can eventually do something to the villain. You know,
1: <laughs> our last idea was to kind of join him, but I, I, as an afterthought, <laughs> I don't know if that was a good heroic thing to do. So let's see what we'll do.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. If hey, if you can't beat him, you join him, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> be close to your enemy. We were thinking.
0: Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so. Um I have here the uh Vasen, uh here I wanna pull it up. I have the Vasin game that um when did this game when did this game actually come out?
1: that's a good question. I'm gonna check uh, feels like it came out but two thousand twenty I think yeah okay yeah uh, it's just, yeah, it's only three years old feels like a longer time, yeah
0: yeah, so um so i I imagine it felt longer for you because you were working on it, right, um yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but so and i'm gonna I'm gonna state this for the record because at Gen con, nobody could pronounce this game correctly, so hmm. uh the the correct pronunciation, will you please tell us what the correct pronunciation of this game is?
1: <laughs> do, 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 do. it's <laughs> Vassan.
0: Fasten. Okay. Vassin, yes. Yes. So, so, so you many. Actually people said...
1: said it right when you tried before we started recording. No? Yes.
0: <laughs> also that, like that. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I mean that ae can really mess up uh our, you know english especially american speakers we don't have too many instances of ae in our no. in our language you know and so uh you heard you had people saying vason Vason, you know um all sorts of stuff but vason is the correct pronunciation and that is how no. I will continue to to uh say it so um now Vassen in um, Sweden is kind of like a subclass of supernatural creatures. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like the old folklore creatures. So it's like yeah, the creatures they were talking about like in the 19th century or 18th or 17th century and like small villages and scaring the kids with stories about the bass and so they're kind of like yeah related to nature and 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 like yeah those those kind of creatures
0: did so like these are things like fairies and um not necessarily like witches and vampires per se but like for like you said forest creatures um like maybe elves, uh, leper, I mean, leprechauns probably like a British one, you know, yeah, but, yeah. um, yeah, but, but
1: that, that is the cool stuff with it. I mean, there, there are different vassan all over the world. So different parts of the world will have their own vassan. And I mean, that really says something I believe, or I think so <laughs> about those parts of the world and how people were thinking and, and what kind of vassan they kind of had to invent to, to, uh, Understand their reality and how they were thinking. So, um, I think that the the Vassans are like uh, different, and I yeah. think just it, yeah, we had this uh, mythic Brit Britain and Ireland that came out as an expansion to uh, mm-hmm. to Vassan, and uh, I think you can see that the the creatures are kind of different actually. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the British version, there are uh more evil i would say They are like more bloodthirsty (laughs) and more like more um i I think the swedish vests and if you compare those two books are are more um sad or more like tragic figures that kind of Mm. do evil but want something else but can't kind of or like really like the the pissed off over different things but not outright like vampire, I wanna kill you and suck your blood. Right. Evil.
0: Yeah, I think if you were to look at a North American version of Vassan, you'd be looking at like um, Bigfoot's probably one, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. um, a chupacabra, right? Which is like a little a animal. A chupacabra. Like, a chupacabra, yeah. A it's chupacabra like this...
1: I thought you said a super cobra. I thought oh. it like some gigantic <laughs> word. Sorry. Sorry.
0: Yeah, Sorry. No, Sorry. A chupa chupacabra, which is like a bloodsucker, is I think what that means, and um, it's like this little like um, kind of rabbit okay. thing that you know that that it anyway it can it sucks the blood of cattle basically you know, um, but it's like a mythical feat, uh creature. I mean, there's like um, Wendigos, you know. Mm. I mean, there's like all sorts of like kind of, and they're more like Native American style like. Um, myths that kind of perpetuated mm-hmm. through you know spanish sett- like spanish settlers and then like eventually like the american frontier you know like what you what you kind mm-hmm. of heard on the frontier uh, of those so um you know it's it's interesting because like you said every country has its sort of it's vast and but we call it different names you know what i mean like yeah. in folklore and and you know it, they're kind of like fantastical creatures without being your traditional D&D fantasy per se, mm. you know? Mm. So, but, yeah. but like trolls but, and ogres and giants and like all those kind of fairy tales uh, fall under that category too. Yeah.
1: Least. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, one thing that I would like to do that there are no plans to do that, but that would be like kind of an expansion that takes place nowadays. Just try to kind of write a, Write a book about what kind of vessel would be like, yeah, in our days. Um, yeah, well, what are we kind of talking about? Like back rooms, and uh, I don't know that which we can kind of bring forth from the mirror. Uh, mm-hmm. Black Lady, or what you call? Uh, oh, uh,
0: Bloody Mary?
1: Bloody Mary, sorry, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, yeah, do, yeah. Do
1: something about that would be really interesting. To kind yeah. Of
0: collect, uh, Right, yes, right. For sure. Now you, um, you said that you know one of the things that, uh, and, and this was kind of in your intro that you wrote in this RPG is, is one of the things that really inspired you when you were about ten years old was I, um, the the Dragonbane. Uh, was that you that wrote that? There was no, a... it wasn't
1: actually. T- uh, it's oh, okay. it's you on so who's done the 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 um, illustrations, but that's true for I me think. as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the same for me. I was heavily inspired by, by yeah. Those games and so and we had,
0: same- you know, and I and I I don't know. I can't pronounce the original Swedish of uh, 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 the Demons and Dragons right game that had come out in yeah. the nineteen eighties. And and we had Thomas Herrandstam on here um, yeah. to talk about you know Dragonbane and and some of that work that they had done and how he was heavily influenced by that um, when that came out. And um, so it's interesting because uh, there's this, there's this blend I think that happens when we kind of touch on the mythical, you know, like, like we, we have this innate feeling and you kind of, you kind of mentioned it where it's like, it's interesting to see how our local myths and fantasy stories end up being kind of a reflection of who we are as a society. Mm. And, um, you know, and yet these, you know, you as an example, as a tabletop RPG writer, you were influenced by, you know, these stories of myths, these stories of fantasy, and um, you decided to try to kind of bring that into like a game setting. Um, What really, so I guess my question for you is uh, like, what? like what was your thought process as you were kind of working through this on how to, how to bring this to the table in a way that you were sort of were internalizing like those creatures, you know? Yeah.
1: The first thing is, is uh, is of course that there is, there is an art book uh, with the same name that Iwan Egerkrantz uh, has written and, and, and uh, done the images or illustrations for. So, uh, when I came into this project, it was like decided that this art book should be this game, so I had to kind of solve how how can that um, how can that happen how can we kind of make it into a game, mm-hmm. um, and what I did was of course I tried to find like themes and and and. Um, that I wanted that I wanted the game to be about uh, for, for instance, like the rural versus, versus urban uh, societies and, and like the 19th century kind of um, break with the, with the kind of old ways of living and, and entering kind of the new modern industrialization and with all the things that that gained for society but also all the costs. Uh, and you could say that the basin are kind of a symbol for 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 the old life, the more simple life, the more kind of. That is, of course, not true. It wasn't a simple life, but you can have the idea that it was a more simpler life, and that it was a sure. kind of a life more close to nature and so forth. You can have those kind of ideas, even if they are not true in in that sense. So so that's that's what the kind of the conflict I was I was uh, focusing on. Uh, when constructing the games and then the characters would be like people living in the new time because they are from the city going into the old time or kind of in, in the in the in the parts uh of the country that is torn apart by these conflicts like out in the villages where people are moving out and they're kind of abandoning the old kind of Promises with the Vassan, and they're not putting out the porridge to the fairies anymore. And now things are, yeah. And then the big mine from the industrial companies kind of breaking up the the trolls' caves, and everything is going bad. So so I wanted to place the characters in the middle of that conflict. Um, And we had kind of the time. Because in, in Yuan's pictures, it was like 19th century, unspecific. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was thinking earlier 19th century, but the, we, we decided to place the game in, in a unspecific, mythic 19th century, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a mythic in the north as a way to kind of round. Uh, I mean, th- there are a lot of games with, with kind of, heavy historical base and i don't didn't think that this game would gain something from that like having to read up on exactly how everything was so so it was would become historically correct so that was kind of a way to to get around that problem of of just just having like an yeah a version of, of, of the real world yeah, that's what's a long answer, but
0: no, no, it's great. Uh, it's great because um, I mean, there's there's two things that I picked up on there. One, because it wasn't so specific, you didn't need to get burdened down into the very specific details of, you know, the historical accuracy, which actually I think ends up becoming a burden on a lot of RPGs, especially a burden mm-hmm. on the game masters because they have to keep track of all these facts and things that happen and and maybe there's some large events that you need to keep in your um in your uh rpg that ends up becoming like anchor point for storytelling you Mm. know um like maybe a certain king dies or maybe a certain you know law was Mm. passed that ended up changing the course of you know the the way that they people could interact with the vast centers or you know like because it, it expanded mining rights or something like that right and that was like a seminal date you know and again these are things that you could pick out from history or just make them up as as anchor points for your storytelling but by not focusing in saying like these were the exact times and dates it allows it allows a little bit more freedom to tell your stories the way you need to right um
1: yeah, and that that was a big uh, thing that, that for everything I write, I want it to be like re- very accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it can be extremely fun to play like uh, I don't know some kind of Lords of the Ring campaign where everyone needs to read up on exactly what river was there and how they were dressed and how what mm-hmm. tobacco they were smoking. That could be really really fun, but it's also taxing for the for the group. Yeah, and I think yeah, a lot of campaigns I've have- never played. Were <laughs>
0: Especially the GM, yeah, right. Yeah. Like
1: it's really yeah. taxing
0: to keep it all straight.
1: So I mean that that is fun, but this game was intended to be kind of easy to to prepare for and easy to play. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. I um, the the other thing that I want to talk about, and and we have mentioned this on our show actually quite a bit, um, is that some of the best storytelling that happens is when there are two civilizations that are clashing. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it, I had I've given this example before, um, you know, uh, Jerusalem during the Crusades, where you had the um, Muslim civilization, and the Christian civilization, religious really clashing right there. And there's a lot of change that happens. Or um, uh, you could say uh, Britain during the Viking invasions is a great example, you know, yeah. of two civilizations really clashing there. And. Mm. Um, it opens up a lot of intrigue and provides a really good backdrop for mm. RPGs and stories. And so the choice of kind of the old world meets the, and I'm putting this in in, in, in quotations here, the progressive world, right, of the industrial revolution and, and technology mm. kind of clashing together, um, you know, where you have the old ways and the new ways, or you have... Um, you know, the tr- tradition versus progression, you have those just all kind of mixing it up, um, I think allows for some interesting, it, 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 it provides a great backdrop for this. Yeah. And um, one of them is in the intro that you had in here, it talks about how uh, the Vassan are not responding the way that they traditionally had, right? Mm-hmm. Like things have changed. And yeah. so, um you know you and, and it's up to the characters to sort of respond to it, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, so I think um I think that that's uh that's a kind of a really great storytelling aspect and and yeah um I think the I find, find know,
1: kind of the, 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 the conflict or kind <laughs> of as you say, two things kind of collide and that kind of place in the middle of it, that is very interesting, I agree absolutely
0: and and you're kind of asking your characters to sort of be of two worlds here yeah in this in this rpg right they're they're um a, you know a lot of the kind of the character archetypes that you have live in society and they're they're members of society but they have been touched in a way um that uh they can see the basin and so that kind of sets them apart to where now they need to sort of go back to the old ways and understand how to work with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's um that's great. So, um uh I, one of the questions I had it so this this uh book that you have, the original RPG here is centered in Uppsala, Sweden. Um yeah. now, what is the significance of it being centered in Uppsala versus another city?
1: Uh I think Uppsala It's very much a university city. It's kind of a, Mm -hmm. uh, we have Linné who came from there who were kind of creating this system for all flowers and kind of deciding how to to kind of organize them, uh, which is, at least in Sweden, is a symbol for kind of, he did all these travels out in the wild and kind of came back with all these flowers and grass and observations and kind of uh, organized the world. Uh, and we actually, we, we had some plans of, of placing it in Gothenburg instead. And Gothenburg during during this time was kind of a real wild city. It was like full of scoundrels and bandits and, and kind of, it had a harbor which was connected to the entire world. And there was like a really rough place to, to live. Uh, but we decided on, on kind of the more quiet um, librarian, <laughs> city of Uppsala instead was kind of more dry more more kind of slow and and and, um, peaceful place I mean there can happen things there as well but but that we think we thought that would be a better backdrop both for the game and for for those adventures out into the wild just come from the kind of more academic place Mm
0: Yeah, and that's kind of an interesting feel that I got while reading um through this uh this book is that it kind of has a um sort of an academic feel. Maybe, you know, like maybe sort of a you know, and and I'm not going to compare this directly because I don't think it, it compares one to one, but a, a call of cthulhu-esque feel where um there's mm-hmm. sort of an an investigation, there's a mystery that is happening that you need to kind of get to the bottom of and you know usually at the end there's a vasant involved or or something that you have to figure out how to deal with right and so um i think that there is sort of that academic aspect of like okay well let's let's scientifically Get to mm. the bottom of this and then unscientifically deal with it. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Blow it to pieces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But of course, I mean, I've I played Call of Cthulhu my entire life and I, I love that game. Mm-hmm. So it would be strange if it wasn't influenced by it. And, and I, as you say, there are many similarities. And yeah. yeah. Even though that we discussed with the historical correctness is like a, actually a big difference between the games.
0: Now oops is kind of far a little far north, right? I mean it is not um yeah. it's not down near the coast on Sweden. And no. I I imagine that like in the eighteen hundreds it was sort of a town where it, you know, it was a it, I mean it was a university city, like you said, but not far out from it was the wilds of Switzerland, or Switzerland I'm so sorry. No, of Sweden, you know. Um the wilds of Sweden, right? Like where you had little villages and again, the old ways were very manifest out there where, you know. You
1: you could could say it's kind of like a, I'm being a bit unfair to the North of Sweden when I say this probably, but you could say that it's a kind of a gate to to the gigantic North and more wild Sweden. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so there again is another sort of, you know you you've you've placed the center of the story where you've got like the you know and then, again this is probably not fair, but the idea of like the civilized city versus yeah. the uncivilized you know and rural um area and that that um i I think fuels a little bit more authentic than if you were to place this in Oslo, for example, you know what I mean yeah. or, or yeah. something yeah, like yeah that. but that that but, was definitely our thoughts yeah yeah. So now it says here, you know, that this is an uh horror RPG. What what makes vasten a horror RPG in your mind?
1: That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> because I would say it's it's I mean it's not a slasher game. It's not um yes. it's not a game you will get nightmares from, I think probably not. Uh so it's more on the cozy side of 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 horror. Mm-hmm. Uh Though I th- still think it is a horror game, uh, but I mean it's it's a kind of more creepy, mysterious fog, uh, things happening, being exposed, strange magic. Uh, so it's more that kind of game, and and of course the mystery. So yeah, you you could call it a mystery game as well, instead if you wanted to, but it, I think it's somewhere there, mystery horror game. Yeah, and it's not about. Um, I think many other games are, are about more achievements, kind of winning fights or, or uh, mm-hmm. I don't know riding motorbikes. I don't know whatever, but but this is more of like kind of solving the puzzle and and mm-hmm. finding out stuff and s- preventing a catastrophe and so so forth. And I would say that also, yeah, it's something many many horror games have in common. The the experience is more more important than the achievements.
0: Yeah, the thing that struck me about this, right, there's I, I think there in my opinion, there was two things that, that stood out that made this kind of a horror game. The first one is again its similarity with Call of Cthulhu in the sense that um your the the people that are, you know, your your characters that you have, um, they have been touched in a way that they can see things that are hidden, right? They've got that mm-hmm. second sight type of thing. But they're generally just regular people. I mean, like your character archetypes that you had was like a cook, a servant. You know, yeah. like I mean, like these are people that are not like you know your superheroes um, that go out. So they're de- they're having to deal with these kind of big issues um, while not being like equipped with anything terribly special. Mm. You know, and and, um, and then you
1: can also add like the Vessels aren't like. Aren't, you can't really fight them <laughs> because they, for for starters, they will probably just kill you because they're so much better at doing it. They're like right. really dangerous, and and most of them won't even die by being shot at. So so you you yeah I agree you're re- really exposed both from not having any superpowers and and the enemy or the Vassan having them.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. And, 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 you know, and, and you almost feel this certain duty that, like, if I don't take care of this, it can cause a catastrophe somehow. Right. And so there's that pressure that you have upon yourself as a normal person that's going to do with it. Um, Mm -hmm. The, the second part that I feel like makes it a horror thing is that I, I think I'm getting, um, did you ever watch the show Supernatural? And, I will. I think so. Yeah. Okay. So that's the one. Is that the one with that that the
1: one with, the, with the kind of Supermanish power? So which one is that?
0: Um. No. So supernatural or like the two brothers that are like monster hunters. Yeah. 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 I watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Sam and Dean Winchester. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they go out, and it's just kind of like they go out, and they they come across something that seems a little weird, and they end up getting to the bottom of it, and you know who knows it could be a werewolf it could be a vampire it could be a ghost it could be just different things but they had been trained from the time that they were little kids to deal with the supernatural ways like they had their shotguns full of salt they had their you know like their 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 different things that they could deal with the supernatural right and so um to me it's got a little bit of a supernatural vibe in the sense of maybe you're not actual like monster hunters out there, but you mm-hmm. have been bestowed with knowledge. You are learning knowledge of mm-hmm. how to deal with the supernatural in their own way. Right. Like in, in their, um, like to, to deal with a ghost, you have to do it a certain way to deal with a, you know, a, um, uh, you know, maybe to deal with, uh, like you had you, in, in the book, you had a brook horse or, yeah. um, you know, or a mirror or something like that. Like they need to be dealt with in their ways to get rid of them. Um, yeah. rather than just like, you know, a bullet or a sword or something like that, that just hmm. won't work. Yeah. So I, I definitely got that vibe <laughs> when I'm yeah, reading, you yeah. know what I mean? Where, where you needed to leverage the supernatural to, um, to do the supernatural, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, as you're, you're saying as well, that, that the village which you, you, which you come to, the villagers are, as you say, also exposed. And I think that could also be a horror element. Uh, We've played some, some scenarios where we come to places where, which were really a lot of poverty and a lot of kind of, you can use those themes in this game as well. Um, more, more kind of mundane, real Horror as well, and that will kind of add to the feeling of, of seriousness. So, so that is kind of a balance. You can you can play it lightly or with a more heavy feel. And yeah, depending on how you depict, kind of what kind of world is this? Do you use like the real horrors that actually happen, or do you go with a more fantasy style villagers who are kind of happy and well fed?
0: Well, it depends on which fairy tales you're reading, right? Are you reading the Hans Christian Andersen ones, or are you reading the Grimm Brothers? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So because the Grimm Brothers, like, that's some pretty heavy stuff, you know? And and I think those
1: those tales really match this game well, I think. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. So all right, so let's talk about the system here. Um you when you decided to write this did you know that you were going to be working with Free League and did that influence yeah. the type of system that you wanted to use in creating this
1: Yeah definitely they were actually giving me the 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 job to do it and in that job description it was said that it should be like a um year zero engine game Uh-huh so that that was like part of it from from the start but then then I had to kind of tweak that system and find how can how can how how can that system work with this uh, world and these stories kind of inventing a magic system and so forth.
0: Yeah. Um so uh the year zero system uses d6s primarily, right? As their way to do it yeah. and um a lot of times you will take a skill in um, your attribute and you'll combine that together to form your dice pool of d6s and then you roll it and one six is a success and you know if you get multiples that um mm-hmm. that uh allows you to get greater successes and things like that so um how do you feel that that works for like this rpg style like um in terms of like, does the mechanics really help drive the story? Do you think that the story helps reinforce the mechanics, or vice versa? Um,
1: I think it works good. <laughs> I would okay. say. That's not a good answer. <laughs> um, I think the whole push mechanic works well for many games. I think that was one of the. Good, great things with a, with a year zero engine that you have like the push mechanic where you can re-roll with the costs and in this game you you kind of um, you get tired or wounded or or kind of um, get conditions that kind of makes it makes it harder. Um, so um, I, I think that that creates kind of this question. Uh, will i go on will we push on will or or do we need to kind of uh, step back and take a break uh, and i think that does many things mechanically and one of the things it does that i really like and, and really want to have in my games is uh, that you need to play out scenes which isn't about chasing someone or killing someone or running away from something but that that are about the characters and them interacting because that is how you kind of heal these conditions so it's a system the system is kind of you you move forward you take costs and then you go back and you kind of heal by having social interactions and then you push on and then you back away and so that's this back and forth which which gives a story with different kind of scenes where you get to know the characters, and when you, when you get like a dramatic curve of kind of intensity and more slow scenes, and so that that was one of the points with with, with that kind of uh, system for for pushing roles.
0: Yeah, and I um, I've played Alien, um, and I have played um, uh, the One Ring. Um, I have, I have yet to play Vasem because I need to, I'm probably going to be the guy that runs it. Right. And so, um, I, I haven't been a player for it. Um, but what I do like about the year zero system is that I think it's an interesting hybrid between, um, your normal numbered face dices and like the, um, or die and the, um, like the star Wars RPG dice. Because those ones are what they call narrative dice. You know, Mm. and you get a certain amount of successes or you get a success in the threat, and that changes a little bit about what happens and what you're trying to do. You know, like maybe you don't succeed at hitting the guy, but because you've got so many advantages or something like that, they end up dropping their weapon, Mm. right? Which can Mm. give you an advantage. And I feel like uh, with the way that, This works where, uh, again, you can push a role if you need to. Like if you get a really bad role, but if you get a whole bunch of successes, uh, it can help change the narrative a little bit and you may gain a certain advantage or, you know, maybe you just fail miserably and it's really bad for everybody, you know? (laughs) And so, (laughs) and so I, I like it because I think it helps drive the story. And I really like what you said about that this is not a game about. Um, achievements right it's not about how many monsters did you kill for experience right. it's not about you know how many um how many bike rides i guess you said motorcycle rides or something like that you know for experience it's about playing through the story right and and that role playing as you go along you yeah. so, know which i think is great um but tell me how how does like how do you level up how do you get better as a character if you're playing multiple sessions together.
1: Well, you get experience points, as in mm-hmm. most other games. You get them by answering questions at the end of the session, like yeah, just participating gives you one. And uh, did you confront the Vassan? Um, Did you take risks for other people? Have you learned anything? Mm-hmm. Um, did you perform any extraordinary action? Mm-hmm. So you kind of get experience points, and then you can buy either skill points or, or talents, which are kind of edges you have, like things you're really good at, you can get some mechanical uh, benefit from.
0: Yeah. And and what one thing I've noticed here is that um you don't have any uh hit points.
1: No, as, no you don't
0: part of this. So how yeah. does like how does that work then? Like if you're if you and find yourself facing down a basin, you don't, yeah. uh, you know, you're not trying to grind down their hit points and you don't have hit points that you're being, you know, being, uh, taken down. So how does that work?
1: You, you grind down your conditions and then you can get broken and uh, you can get broken both physically and, and, and mentally. So, uh, mentally is of course, uh, and then, and then you get a critical injury that you roll on the table and, uh, those can be like kind of, okay. You're like confused or exhausted but it can also be like uh yeah that you you could die directly or you can get like burst artery or um yeah uh, re- really bad conditions mental yeah. conditions as well uh, so that's the way you die not from yeah. really from the mental conditions but from the physical critical huh. injuries
0: yeah very cool um yeah, I, I kind of like that. Again, it's not about um, you know staying in these prolonged fights. In a sense of like you know, oh now I take a healing potion in the middle of combat. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop mm. what I'm doing, hitting you with a sword, to drink from this <laughs> bottle. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's really about uh, you know again hitting those different levels narratively mm. and uh, and you know then getting those injuries that'll take you out of the fight. So and it, it's it's um, the
1: same for the for the vassan. They have like a list of conditions that things will happen to them, and they can be like they get extradized because they get angry when you shoot at them. Uh, but it can also be like uh, trying to get out of there, moving into the forest or whatever. So there are like specific conditions for each each vassan. Uh, so
0: uh, let me um, let me pull up a, a vason that i was looking at earlier um which was the this was one of my favorites actually which was the um the church grim was one of my yeah. favorite vason that i have and the thing that i loved about the church grim is that it um it actually keeps watch over the church right yeah. and it's it was created from an animal dying and being taken inside of the church right and so it will attack anyone that either harms the church or the pastor or tries to steal from the church. So like, this is a, you can't call this an evil creature, right? It's a supernatural creature, but it is not an evil one. Um, Can it do harm? Absolutely. Right. But it is there as a protective manner. So um, I think it's kind of, I think it's very interesting. But right here, and for those that are looking at our, our screen on YouTube, you can see right here are the conditions that happen. So when you're running this, um, when it takes when it takes damage, you'll just tick off the conditions like on the way down. So its first one becomes angered, right? Which is a, a condition that it um or I guess it becomes like a an attribute that it sort of has. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's that
1: it was role playing. It just Yeah
0: role-played
1: angry yeah so it's just no mechanical
0: okay and then it becomes mad and then becomes dazed and then wounded and cautious right and then furious and then it then it broke becomes broken and dissolves away um mm-hmm. if you do that so um it's interesting because like everyone has a unique uh condition list as it goes down um mm-hmm. which i think uh rise it to play a different way what what you know if i compare this to alien for example um they don't have like a a role to attack that they do right they'll just roll on a table a d6 table Mm -hmm. and it'll say what happens right they might attack with their tail or they might Mm -hmm. attack with their mouth or they might um just look very menacing and cause fear or something Mm -hmm. like that but um this one, as the action goes down, like as it it kind of goes down the list, like it'll start to do different things that are probably within its sort of character, right? Like if it gets threatened, it'll act a certain way for one creature, but a different way for another one and et cetera. So I've I've really liked that about um, the vast in there. Uh, Yeah, great. So um, one of the things that I think sets this, this RPG apart from a lot of other systems, and uh, this is uh, this is something that people clamor for all the time, and I don't know that it's implemented very well in a lot of different things, usually because it's sort of homebrewed, um, and it's this idea of a sanctuary, or a headquarters, or a, a, a bastion, or stronghold that you can have, and I mean, this mm-hmm. was clamored for so much in D&D that uh, Matthew Colville made his own strongholds and you know supplement that he did on kickstarter that was like a huge book that people could use in their campaigns if they want um but with vastin this is built innately in it right
1: yeah yeah
0: so t- why don't you walk us through kind of like what the idea of the headquarters was like what was your what was your thought process behind it when you created it and like how is it used in the game
1: well in the game if we start with that uh, the characters are all part of something called The Society, which which is, mm-hmm. is, is it's a group that they're not out to kill all of us. And they're kind of out to, they all have the sight. And they're out to kind of make things good primarily for humans, but also for Vess. And they're kind of like watching out for the the supernatural and what happens. And they're based in, in Uppsala, uh, in, if you play in the, in the Mythic North. Uh, and there was there have been like a society for a long time, but it, it it kind of disappeared. And and now the start of the first campaign is, is the player characters kind of reopening the old uh, castle, which was used by the society, and kind of discovering this big uh, castle with all the rooms and stuff. And and um, so so as you play, you will kind of get other kinds of, of experience points and. and uh, build build this this castle and, and kind of find new rooms and and uh, get new contacts in the city which lets you do things you kind of build or, or explore or how you say it's this castle during the campaign mm-hmm. uh, that is of course <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> you could just play out that you just walk around and find all rooms but mechanically it doesn't work like that mechanically you yeah. kind of find the old temple in in the basement and wow we have this new thing and we can do stuff with that and yeah so and 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 you can also bad things can also happen in inside this castle or or uh, as a part of it so, so that which could lead to kind of small scenarios between the main scenarios where you have to deal with it, something that's haunting the castle or some journalist trying to find out what you're doing inside inside those walls and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I
0: think I, th- I that was one of the things that really caught my eye as I was going through. And I mean, it, the great thing is the first part of this RPG does a great job of laying out what this whole thing is within like the first two or three pages. And then you can kind of dig into all the different sections, so it's a very easy RPG to read uh, in terms of rules. And I commend you on your writing for it, and and uh, you know, in the layout and the in the organization, I think it was really great. But um, the the idea of this castle as your as your headquarters just seems really cool. There's some really great like abilities that you can get from unlocking different rooms, and um, yeah. really just kind of gives you some advantages and what you're doing
1: and it's kind of it's a little bit uh computer game see we uh-huh. we kind of we, you can see the a tree uh, kind of a decision tree in front of you kind of going down we buy this first and that then and so forth so um, i think there was some some inspiration from that more yeah computer yeah. game way of doing things
0: what does a typical um Vasin campaign look like is it like um I mean, obviously, like, you can run a session in, like, three or four hours. You can have a multiple um, Mm -hmm. session arc if you want to. But, like, you know, when you were writing this game, were you thinking, like, hey, you know, like, somebody may be playing this, like, two times a month for a year type of thing. And and really get, like, everything that they would hope for out of this. um, Or, like, like, did you have that in mind when you wrote it? Or what did you think?
1: Well, that was also one thing that that the Free League were, were were really they were really clear with. It should be like a monster of the week game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the typical campaign is just going out and doing different scenarios, and and then the kind of thing that continues is your base and the characters, and then there are different um different vests and who are not connected or related to each other but when i play it myself i, I tend to lean in more towards uh, actually having a like a meta story uh, l- letting things be connected and even if you uh-huh. go to different parts of the mythic north the players and their characters will soon find out that it's, it's all connected and perhaps even to their own pasts yeah. and their own relatives and stuff uh, so that's the way I like to play it, but but I think many people play it more like a series of of, of uh, monster of the week's scenarios, and that that works great, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a, it seems like there's always room for you know something to happen, especially if you've got a base and you can just kind of go out, right? It's not like you're on a, a Lord of the Rings journey to Mordor,
1: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you know?
0: No. That plays out very differently. You
1: know, <laughs> and th- I mean, I think that's a good thing with us. Uh, well, with, with the most of the Week thing, because you can have like one player won't show this week, and you can still play. Uh yeah. And it it doesn't matter that much if we remember we haven't played for four months and we can't remember what happened last time. It doesn't matter because we're going to a new city and a new yeah. village and doing something else. So I think that's a, it's an upside and downside with that, of course. But
0: yeah definitely and um one of the things that i wanted to share here is if you go to the free League website i mean there's a lot of awesome products on here right a lot of really good stuff that um that we have and all the quality things that we have come to know and love from free league uh you know you uh we talked about the pre-ordering the lost mountain saga here Mm -hmm. that is coming out now where does this uh this lost mountain saga do um I, I think you said that you weren't as involved with this one as um, writing the original one. No, um, no, I haven't
1: been involved at all in that, actually. Okay. So that cool. Eleanor's um, child, or uh, I should say, so it's 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 um, uh, it's from from the podcast with the same name. Okay. So cool. They played played through it, and she has written it, and, and then it became like a campaign. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. It's really cool.
0: Uh, That's very cool. Yeah, I mean, you can see here, right, there's five chapters of this. This is a, basically a, you know, a story campaign. This doesn't fit the the Monster of the Week that we're talking about, right? <laughs> this is actually, like, a story campaign that that moves along, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, it looks very cool, and again, like, all the art, like, fits in, and it, it just is very, um, very yeah. neat. Uh, and uh, there was the, um, right down here, the I guess this is the VTT stuff but oh best an RPG Mythic in Britain Ireland mm-hmm. um that uh, had come out uh, earlier this year I think maybe late last year um mm-hmm. but it did this one won the gold any um at Gencon this year for uh, best RPG so uh this is a great opportunity to check this out and I wonder, like, for our listeners, we get a lot in, obviously, here in the United States, um, Canada, and, and the UK. We get we get some from Sweden, and we get some from, you know, other other parts of the world. I know Vastin is, you know, b- very much a Nordic-focused um, RPG, but I wonder if some of the um, stories in this Mythic Britain and Ireland may resonate a little bit more with the, you know, the native English speakers, just because... I yeah. I kind of grew up learning about leprechauns and you know things like that because I was, you know, yeah. that's just part of our culture here in the United States as well, you know.
1: No, and also I think it's more, more closer related to kind of the the, what you see in movies and TV series and kind of the the, the common. <laughs> Image you have of, of 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 supernatural creatures and so so you yeah right. yeah I think you it's easier for almost anyone who watches like popular movies to to get into these kind of creatures some of them at least yeah. some of them are, are more obscure yeah
0: yeah it was interesting because um, I remember playing The Witcher um, you know video games and reading the uh, the books right and those are all Eastern European uh, fantastical creatures, and again, there's sort of like echoes of similarities with the ones that I had grown up with, um, mm-hmm. but there's some that are very different as well, and I got that same feeling from, you know, the, your original Vassan um, RPG. It's like, again, there's like echoes of similarities here, but they're different just because, you know, I mean, stories are stories mm-hmm. that span generations and cultures, but, you know, when they've been sort of isolated by language or or even physical barriers like oceans and you know mountain ranges mm. and things like that. They tend to change a little bit and, and change to the environment around them. So
1: yeah, definitely. and I, I would like to recommend there is a Ukraine. I mean, there are a lot of stuff that people have written that are not published by the Free League, but that are published on on the um. Ah, <laughs> I, I can't recall what it called what it's called, but uh, you, you can publish things for is it games. the drive
0: drive-through rpg
1: yeah 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 exactly okay. uh yeah. and there is um this ukraine uh text about ukraine basin that is uh yeah it's really it's really cool um, oh that's cool yeah and there's also a japanese like bass oh. japanese version that which is also really cool um and then really feeling has a kind of a program for for like um Publishing things to their mm-hmm. games, yeah. The, the, yeah, the they've got their
0: uh, free league um, um, kind of workshop, right? That they yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, if you are interested in getting into Vassin I mean, go to the free league website. There's plenty here. Here's what I would. Here's what I would recommend as well. These books are almost art books into themselves, right? Like they just have the most amazing illustration and. Again, a free league product is very quality product. The great thing is, is if you buy it from their store, you can get a PDF copy of it as well. So maybe that's the one that you turn the pages a lot and you leave the other one on the shelf for the artistic purposes. But I, I mean, I like having the physical copy and the PDF as well. Um, But if you're interested in all of that, like it's all here at the store, you should check it out. Um, And uh, Niels, thank you so much for, Coming on the show. We appreciate it. And I'm so glad that you brought this uh this to life for us because this is a really cool system. It's a really cool RPG. Um, the artwork is amazing, and I think it's inspiring in itself. And you know, for you to kind of just bring all of this together, you know, some of your childhood stories and and uh and you know, all the stuff that was out there just to bring it to the game table. Uh, we really appreciate, it. and I'm I'm looking forward to running it and playing it, hopefully with my with my friends.
1: So Th- thanks for having me. It's a great honor to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. It's great. Uh, again, everybody, if you uh, we'd love to hear from you what you think about this. Please leave a comment. Let us know. Have you played Vassan? What's your experience with it? And uh, you know, feel free to let us know if there's some things that we should be. Um, aware of out there that uh, may help us run these games in the future. So we thank you all for listening. We thank you all for uh, being here with us and uh, everybody we will see at the tables and have a good night.